This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. All right, welcome back to Leadership in Action on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I have a feeling you know what we're going to talk about right now. <laughs> what you don't know is just how good a dancer our program director, Patty Hall, is in the background, because um, she was really grooving out to that musical intro there. Uh, I'm Jeff Klein. I'm the executive director of the Anna John McNulty Leadership Program, and I'm here, as you know, with Ann and Mike, and this is a special edition of the show featuring the 2019 Lippman Family Prize honorees. Uh, in the first half of the show, we spoke with Barry Lippman himself uh, and talked about the genesis of the prize, uh, some of what he's learned as a result of you know serving on the prize committee and really stewarding uh, the evolution of the prize over the last eight years. Uh, and then he also announced the establishment of the Beacon Award, which will be awarded for the first time in October of 2020. Uh, and will really honor the continued impact, the continued innovation, the continued uh, transferability of, of lessons and learnings from a past honoree. So really a, another chance, I think, to invest in the honoree community, invest in and reward um, the kind of scaling that we hope the Lippmann Prize uh, really enables. What we're excited to do right now is we have the chance to talk with uh, Dave Nicewander, who is the CEO of World Bicycle Relief. Uh, I'm going to say a couple more words about World Bicycle Relief and Dave. Uh, but before I do so, Dave, you're here in the studio. So let me just say hello and uh, welcome to the uni- welcome back to the University of Pennsylvania campus. It's great to be back. Thanks so much. And, and I got to say, I'm a big fan of Queen. So thanks for the uh, intro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, we only have 30 minutes, but if any of our blood sugar goes low, we can just we'll cue the music again, <laughs> and great. Patty will dance through. It'll be fantastic. Um, so let's see, Dave. You're the CEO of World Bicycle Relief, um, and you know I'm just going to do some broad brushstrokes here. But an organization committed to helping people conquer the challenge of distance, right? And that exactly. means about th- that we're really talking about thriving um, and achieving independence, right? And and what World Bicycle Relief can can enable within uh, within that to date. You've donated close to 500,000 bikes to deserving and needy children. Um, and prior to being in this role, you were on the ground in Africa building the organization. And so, you know, we've got about six hours of content for 25 minutes. <laughs> we're going to hit the highlights. Um, Good editing, I hope. Yeah, yeah fantastic editing. They'll, pr- they'll probably cut half of my intro. Um, <laughs> So welcome to the show, Dave. And let me just start off and say congratulations to you. Uh, congratulations to World Bicycle Relief for being named this year's winner of the Lippman Family Prize. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. And certainly we're very honored to be you know, recognized by the Lippman Family Prize and, and being part of the University of Pennsylvania community. It's just fantastic. We're really excited about those opportunities for collaboration and innovation. All right. And, and we're going to absolutely get there. But given that this is the Wharton School... And given that you started your career as an investment banker, yeah. uh, I, I've got to ask, 
How was how was the world of investment banking <laughs> way back when? And what did you learn there that led you to this kind of work? It's fascinating because you know I, I came out of um, undergrad school in '92 and got into small regional investment bank and then a larger regional investment bank and focused on taking banks public. Basically, mm-hmm. that's what I was doing. And and I enjoyed that because there was a process to it, sort of project-oriented, uh, that you can sort of look at, you know, you're working mm-hmm. with a client, you work them through, and then you have a successful IPO, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But what my question, I guess, after doing that for 15 years, I was like, well, maybe there's something more in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was getting to be about 2007. So there was, um, you know, echoes in the, in the hallways as far as in, in sort of what was potentially the the coming storm, and thinking, well, what what else, what can I do? But how do you transition what my skills were as a banker, yeah. investment banker, into something more meaningful? And what I realized was when I started the role with World Bicycle Relief was, it's getting things done. Mm-hmm. And as an investment banker, you're sort of in the middle of it's like being a conductor in an orchestra. Quite frankly, you have your company you're taking public, their accountants, their attorneys. You have, as an investment bank, your attorneys. You have the regulators. You certainly have the investors. You have the sales process. You have the aftermarket. So all those things have to come into harmony in order for a successful capital-raising transaction. And what I realized going to Africa is, first of all, (laughs) is not for the weak of heart (laughs) as far as uh, taking my type A personality Mm -hmm. uh, and and getting things done and realizing that, you know what, sometimes Africa wins. And sometimes when I was battling, you know, whether there was electricity or Internet or water or, or how I was, you know, getting from one place to the next, Realizing that keeping focus and doing one good thing at a time and moving the ball forward is a success. And and this is what development is about. And and that's what I thought, this is actually what I can bring. I can keep a focus and I can keep the the organization sort of aligned and moving together. Mm -hmm. And, and, And working with our team members has been great. That's great. Well, such a pleasure to have a chance to speak with you, Dave. Thank you for being here. So, uh... What was translatable was some of your education and experience in investment banking. And you mentioned that Africa is not for the weak of heart. What wasn't translatable from your investment banking career to your work now? Well, I I think some of the – when you're dealing in investment banking and you're dealing at the high end of the the financial institutional market, you have to sort of be playing at that high end and communication has to be at at a a very – high level. Um, and I think what I realized is that the communication style in working in Africa was much more about being under the proverbial community tree. You need to, I, there's a great example where I, one of my first weeks I was there, put together a lovely PowerPoint presentation. This is where we're going to roll this out. And I had everything put together and I, and I had a whole team of table. I was probably the only uh, guy from the U.S. or the only Mazungu uh, which is a foreigner in, in, in that area. And everyone was sitting there and shaking their head and going, yes, 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 brilliant. <laughs> My friend came up to me and says, you realize they're not going to do any of that, right? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, I thought I had figured out how to solve poverty in the first two weeks. Uh, <laughs> realizing that you really do have to work together and you really have to listen and really have to bring everybody along. And, mm-hmm. and, and one of the interesting communication styles was when you first get there, you know, usually, again, I was very much of a type A personality. Get, get to the point. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. No, what you do is like, 
Hello, so good to see you. You laugh. How's family? How's home? Tell me about this. You know, and you you have a dialogue and a communication, which is lovely, which is the way communication should be. Um, and then you get to your points and you bring people along together. And so that's one of the, 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 the shifts in my communication style that took place. Oh, I so appreciate that, Dave. Thank you. And Mike. Dave, just to think about uh, your second or third week as you really began to try to make things happen, <laughs> if you could give us a feel as if we're with you. So there we are. I think you began in Zambia, as I recall. And uh, after a few weeks, the PowerPoint didn't necessarily carry the message, but gradually you did build the model out. And just to give us a feel for how you pay for the bikes, who the bikes go to, how much difference they make in the lives that have them, Mm -hmm. just walk us through as if we're traveling with you to a village outside of the capital there. Sure, sure. I appreciate that outside of Lusaka. Um, I I think, you know, well, first of all, within the first three months, I'm not quite sure I've made the right decision, (laughs) right? I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is hard. This is not, I mean, this is, this is not going to be an easy feat. And I realized that there are going to be days that Africa wins as it relates to, I didn't achieve what I wanted to, but there's always the next day. And so I think it was that realization of of how do we focus our efforts to the next step? And we were very fortunate to have fantastic partners on the ground there and really folks that have been uh, basically, you know, these, these guidance counselors to sort of lead us in, in, in sort of which way to go as far as best practices and and, and try to avoid some of the pitfalls of, of other organizations. And I think the advantage that we came from, I guess, is, you know, we certainly have a big heart for what we're doing, but both the co-founder, FK Day, who comes from a corporate background and my background in business, you know, we really think through as far as, well, what is the return on impact? What is the return on investment? How do we do things sustainably? This isn't, you know, people get a lot of requests, people saying, well, you know, I really like bikes. Can I go over there and, and help you put together bicycles? Mm-hmm. Like, no, we, we actually have Zambians that we employ. And we have, I mean, we have over 100 and and 120 people on the ground in Africa. And one of the things that I see as a success, quite frankly, is the fact that we're building an industry. These are folks that were in the informal market, you know, these assemblers that were being paid $1 equivalent Mm -hmm. to build a bicycle. So the focus there was not so much on quality, it was much more on quantity. How many bikes can I do in a day? So sort of putting that on its head and sort of thinking through we did this whiteboard exercise. I'm a big fan of whiteboard exercise. So brought all the assemblers around, right? Said, how do you build a bicycle? And it was about the spoking of the wheels, which is sort of like dark arts magic as far as actually spoking the wheels and chewing the wheel. Uh, and then, you you know, you need to bring these components together to put them on a bicycle. And, you know, and so how many people do we need? How many people? So creating an actual assembly line and, and realizing that we would have control and quality throughout now, this is the beauty of us leveraging off of the experience of SRAM Corporation, the U.S.'s largest bicycle component manufacturer, mm-hmm. in their experience and how we can apply that to the efforts that we were doing. So a lot of those early days were a lot about listening and a lot about learning. All answers are found in the field mm-hmm. is our motto. Mm-hmm. So the co-founder, FK, and I spent quite a bit of time in the field visiting with the recipients of bicycles, what was the conditions? What were the existing bicycles like? How can they be improved? And and the 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 thought of kaizen. We we really embrace kaizen in our organization as it relates to continuous improvement. Um, let's go out there and test some things, but let's study it. Let's really make sure we understand what that impact is, learn from it, and then implement the next evolution. 
of that. So that's part of the efforts. Yeah, that's great. Just a quick follow-up on that. Really interested in the fact uh, Jeff mentioned the number reaching probably close to half a million people now with um, the bikes that you provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're not giveaways. People pay for them. So just talk through the financial sure. model a bit. No, I appreciate that. It was sort of interesting. I'd like to say that FK and I sort of came to this with this brilliant big plan and big idea that this is how we'll roll out. But it was really a response to the market. Mm-hmm. Um, we started improving the bicycles, or FK, with, with his background experience, started improving the quality of the bicycles that were going out. It's what we call the Buffalo Bicycle. It's a heavy-duty, utilitarian, purpose-designed bicycle. And it's the appropriate tool for the terrain and the context and making sure that it's you know, uh, it, it's compatible with existing spare parts, and we train field mechanics, all those things. Well, people started wanting that bicycle for their programs, and, and for a farmer, individuals were coming up to us and saying, hey, I want this bicycle. I can hold, you know, 200 pounds on the back of this carrier. It's incredible. How do I get this? We looked at each other and said, well, we're just learning how to do fundraising for this philanthropic program. Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly don't have the good capacity there to get more philanthropic funding. But what we could do is explore, is there a market-driven solution? Is there an economic solution that would meet that demand? And so we worked with great consultants at both Deloitte Consulting as well as DLA uh, Piper, um, who gave us great uh, advice as it relates to structure and came up with a pretty unique structure that mm-hmm. we have World Bicycle Relief, the not-for-profit, that owns 100% of Buffalo Bicycles Limited, which is a for-profit subsidiary of World Bicycle Relief. So if you look at those half a million bicycles, over half of them have actually been sold. Now, they're sold into the local marketplace. They are part of the we're not subsidizing them in any way we were very clear to not to to undermine the existing marketplace our bicycle is actually two times price of what we call affectionately the bicycle shaped objects that are <laughs> <laughs> that are found in that marketplace um, and so we we want to make sure that we're there and, and for us it was really a question of value proposition are you going to have the right pro- value proposition of quality and price at the in- bottom of the economic pyramid it was a big question because you didn't know. I mean, if you're paying for a bicycle that's twice as expensive as the other bicycle over there, does that make sense for somebody that's living less than $2 a day, $3 a day? We found out that it does. Um, and, and people, more and more people, were growing a, a whole uh, network of Buffalo Bicycle retail shops in the town centers, in the rural areas where we have a concentration of bicycles and seeing great growth in individuals purchasing and setting up partnerships with microfinance and, and be able to pay as you go so somebody can finance the purchase of that bicycle over time. So it's really mm-hmm. thinking about the three columns there of you have the right product with the right value proposition, you have a distribution channel, uh, which is our Buffalo Bicycle Shops and, and a, our network of dealers, and then you have to have financial accessibility. How, do you, how can somebody afford that bicycle over time? So let me remind our listeners that this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM Channel 132. Our guest this half hour is Dave Nicewander, who's the CEO of World Bicycle Relief, the winner of this year's Lipman Family Prize. Um, Dave, really appreciate you, uh, you know, really illustrating the, the economic model and some of the early genesis of, of your work and FK Day's work. Um, Help us understand the impact that that 500,000 bicycles have um, on the individuals who are either purchasing or receiving bikes. Well, thanks for that question, because I think it's actually an overlooked issue in development. 
Um, you know, when we talk to the World Bank, they're focusing on deep sea ports and they're fo- focusing on, on roadways and roadway systems, which is really important. Um, but the fact of the matter is that there's over half a billion people in sub-Saharan Africa alone that are living in the rural areas. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's an uh, you know an input into urban areas, but there's a, over half a billion people that are walking as their primary mode of transportation. And when we think about what is our transportation choices, <laughs> there's so many at right now, right? I mean, you have Uber, or you have your own bicycle, you have your car, you could walk, or you could have one of these little zip uh, scooters that, that sort of terrify me on sidewalks. <laughs> but you, look at that. Um, you know, there's there's a plethora of, of, of options for that. Um, people that are living in the rural context in sub-Saharan Africa, really their primary mode is either walking long distances or inferior bicycles that break down and, mm-hmm. and, and are not built for, for quality. So we've really come in with a new whole value quality product, mm-hmm. um, product segment into that marketplace. So the challenges um, are, you know, think of your living in the rural areas and the closest clinic is five miles away and you have a sick child. How do you get that child to the clinic? Mm-hmm. Or if you're a farmer thinking about, you know, okay, I have produce, how do I get my produce to the marketplace? You know, transportation for any entrepreneur is usually a vital part of their business plan. Mm-hmm. So having reliable transportation. One of the greatest programs that we, we do is working with dairy farmers. And these are smallholder dairy farmers that have probably three, four, five cows. They milk in the morning, and they have to transfer these huge, you know, big milk cans to a dairy cooperative that is a chilling center. Mm-hmm. And they have these long distances. How do you get them there? And some of them were using the bicycle-shaped objects, or some of them were walking them. Um, you know, with a buffalo bicycle, we have we did a report and study on it. They had a 23% increase in their income um, based upon mm-hmm. that, and they pay that bicycle off over a, a three to six month period. Mm-hmm. So for them, that's an amazing tool. Um, when you talk about students, especially girl students, I think anyone that's done any research into the developing world would appreciate that the challenges in, in development really need to focus on girls yeah. and the empowerment and the education of girls. Mm-hmm. So we started talking with the Ministry of Education in Zambia back in 2009, like what does a bicycle program look like for that mm-hmm. program? And, and realizing the challenges that they're facing and, and, and the difficulties. And, and, you know, that's a demographic that, you know, they're expected to get up way early in the morning and they're going to uh, collect the water, create get the firewood, take care of their younger siblings, cook their breakfast, sweep the, the area outside their, their hut, and then walk seven miles to get to school. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, you know, as an adolescent girl, that's a lot to deal with. They're, they're, they're you know, asked to do more than that, and also the vulnerability of walking those long distances. Mm-hmm. We have amazing stories and impact of these girls with a bicycle now do not have to, quite frankly, barter uh, for transportation, right. um, and so uh, the, the pregnancies have gone down. A mm-hmm. uh, number of attacks have gone down because these girls mm-hmm. are receiving bicycles. So in this program, we do seventy percent of the bikes go to girl students. It's determined by at the uh-huh. local level, um, and so there is a lot of community sensitization and community ownership of the program. Who receives the bicycle, um, and it, it makes a huge difference um, because in that context, that bicycle is the most valuable asset in that household. Mm. And now they sign a contract that ties that girl's education to that bicycle. All of a sudden, her negotiating skills, her negotiating power has completely changed. Mm-hmm. 
You know, she has a voice in her future. It, we're seeing great results. We're actually going to be publishing in the next month a randomized control trial in Zambia on 100 schools, 5,000 bicycles. It's a longitudinal study um, done by Innovations for Poverty Action, and we're seeing great results as it relates to not only the academic outcomes as far as performance and attendance, but also as it relates to girls' empowerment, their sense of self, their control over their future. Um, so we're really excited to, to be able to publish that and share that with the, the broader community. Dave, just a quick follow-up. Uh, are you uh, building different models of bikes, for example, tandems for girls who might want to travel in with a sister or brother? It's interesting you say that. We, uh, with our uh, the design of our bicycle, um, it has this rear carrier on the back, and that rear carrier can hold up to 200 pounds. So we recently had done a study and showed that over 80% of the students that are riding the bicycles to school have a passenger on the <laughs> <Okay>. back of it. <laughs> but, That's great. And if I drop a few pounds, you could, you could actually bike me around I campus. I could bike you around <laughs> campus under other duties as a sign. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, yes, we do um, – you know, we are trying to – design and constantly look at every component of that bicycle and how it comes together and have a team of engineers that are connecting the field to the supply chain. Mm -hmm. And that's just never been done before. I mean, we're working deep because of the relationships that we have through SRAM Corporation, going deep into the component manufacturers, the design of that and connecting that voice from the field. That's great. Thank you. Dave, we're short on time here. So a very <laughs> short question. We'll only take a couple minutes on it. For listeners who are really drawn to what you have done personally and professionally, uh, offer a couple thoughts on a pathway. So for somebody who would like to uh, move from what they've been doing into something, it'll be different, but something akin to what you're doing, well, what's a way to get going on that? It's a great question, and, and, and really a lot of it sort of has to sort of align. Um, you really sort of do have to listen to your heart. You do have to sort of listen to yourself and, and, and where you want to be. Ask a lot of questions. Do a lot of research. Uh, figure out what aligns with what you want to be. I mean, I, I had a successful year, successful career, rather, in investment banking. But this has been so much more rewarding. I can't imagine being more rewarding. So sometimes you look at, you know, some of my monetary sense versus the full, you know, impact of your life and, and, and your happiness quotient. And so that's that's where um, I think the important thing is to really listen to your listen to yourself and and to take those leaps of faith. You never know. I met FK on a random mm. safari in Kenya, just as a happenstance, and he mm. he literally called me on a Thursday after we were friends and said, "Hey, I'm going to Zambia on Sunday. Can you make it?" And I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I went there and I saw. I went to the field with him and saw the bicycles or saw saw what he was doing and saw the need. And within six weeks, I had went on sabbatical from my investment banking job, and I was living in Zambia. And that was, you know, 12 mm. years ago. So All great. Right. <laughs> I wanna, I'm going to slip one leadership question in oh, right? because we are, we are here on leadership, leadership in, in action. action right? and, and so, Dave, I, I guess maybe the, the broad question I'll ask you, um, knowing that uh, you'll only have time for a short response, is what have you learned about both yourself as a leader – um, but also what makes effective leadership um, through this experience? Sure. Humility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Humility is the first one. We're back to the PowerPoint slide deck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Humility. All answers are found in the field. Ask a lot of questions. I try to be 
I guess if you, you look at my leadership styles, servant leader, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and collaborate with my, my colleagues and say, how can I help you remove these barriers and what resources do you need for us to achieve our goals together? Uh, I think that's important. I think that in, in listening uh, all throughout the organization um, mm-hmm. is, is key, being accessible. And w- were those new? Was that a new orientation for you? Well, it certainly wasn't what I was used to in investment banking. Right. <laughs> that was a very different leadership style. But it, um, I, I had some great um, bosses, some leaders that in investment banking that inspired me. So, yeah, it was definitely a little bit different on the tactical side of things. And Dave, on the same point, as you develop, call it indigenous leadership, people on the ground. And I know you work through a lot of people in, well, just about everywhere and now in Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you look for when you bring somebody in to work with your organization back on the leadership terrain? Well, I think the most important thing is, is integrity, um, and, and it's, that's a difficult one to, to judge in an interview process, right? So, but I think it's a, you know it's core to our ethos and core values as an organization: honesty, mm-hmm. integrity, humility. Someone that's going to come in um, and, and, and listen and, and be part of the, the team. So. I think that's 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 a key aspect of it, and, and realizing that part of our job in development is also developing these leaders and developing um, our team members internally. So what I love to see is that we've had uh, individuals that started off as assemblers on our assembly facility, putting together bikes, that now have gone up through warehouse manager, that now are store managers, that now are salespeople, and they're evolving through uh, the leadership of our organization, which is great. Right. And if you would just give us a sense of the size of the org- organization, in terms of in terms of people, partners. Sure. Um, well, half a million bicycles in 19 countries um, over the last 14 years. We have about 160 um, individuals on our team in 12 different countries around the globe. We do fundraising in Europe and Canada, U.S., and, and have a supply chain team in Asia as well as in our, our main core base of operations in Africa. All right. Hmm. Well. I think we want to say congratulations. Yes. I know we want to say congratulations, yeah, congratulations to you Dave. once again, Dave, for the Lippman Family Prize here in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you excited about as as you look ahead? Wow, um, the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I think the first you know 12 years that I've been with the organization, a lot of it's been proof of concept, mm-hmm. and now with the M and E data, the monitoring and evaluation, the impact data that's coming back, we're ready to at our critical mass where we are today go to scale. And so now how can we scale this this impact? Because it's awesome impact that we're seeing every day. All right. And last question for you. How can our listeners find out more about World Bicycle Relief? Sure. Now you can certainly see us on social media. Our website's www.worldbicyclerelief.org. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. Congratulations once again. And we look forward to seeing you many more times here on University of Pennsylvania's campus. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you, Dave. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.